The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for IGN and The Wrap and CriticallyAcclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Uh, I also write for the internet. G- good for you. Yep, yep. Just in I, general. I, and uh, I also write for CriticallyAcclaimed.net and uh, where you can assign us articles. And one of my most recent assignments went up uh, just before we, we recorded this. Yeah, this show probably wouldn't still exist without our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Uh, people have contribute and in return they get bonus episodes they get uh the cancel too soon monthly movie uh where we review tv movies and miniseries they get only the best where whitney and i review every single nominee for best picture at the academy awards in order and among your many other perks if you want to go check that out is yeah you can force us to write articles for you Mm. and uh, whitney just (laughs) whitney just wrote one i got more in the pipeline uh it's a real hoot and it's really just exciting to see what people want to read because usually the stuff that every website cranks out like it's okay but like you're not passionate about it well also it's it's really the same it's all Mm. like tied into like hot new show here's retrospective that other sites are doing as well, or you I mean, know, r- ranking might, all the previous films in the series, and as that might each be interesting. Comes out. That it, it, might be interesting, but it's yeah. kind of general. And mm. like people, when people get the opportunity to fund their own content, they want stuff just for them. And you know what? Cool. Yep, that's really cool. And everyone else gets to read it too. And I think we all become better people as a result. Uh, I'm I'm finding it fascinating uh, with some of these assignments we've been getting. Mm. Uh, what. Uh, people want to line our interests up with because hmm. a lot of these are really unexpected. I wouldn't yeah. expect somebody to like the, the article I just wrote today or was that was published today was about uh, sort of the recent history of the romantic comedy mm-hmm. and kind of how it evolved from the eighties into the present day. And I mean, I, I have seen enough romantic comedies. I'm conversant. I could, you know, I had a good thesis, but uh, I wouldn't expect somebody to, want me to write about that sort of thing. I want to I, pay I you to write about it, no less. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Somebody hired me to write about romantic comedies, so I did. Yeah, it's really and, cool. And it was really a, really a hoot to write about, and it was really a gas. So again, you can do all mm. of that over at patreon.com slash cancel too soon. Uh, every single one of our patrons, we, we're doing this for you. You're really, really great, and you keep us going. And we really hope you're excited, because this episode mm. is a me episode. <laughs> yeah, you would. You know what? After, after both Bone chillers, I can throw no throw no stones. Wow. The uh, uh, the last couple of weeks in August, Whitney and I have just been doing kind of whatever the hell we wanted because the next couple of months are all really big theme months, and our content is kind of dictated 
by those themes. So this is just throwing stuff at a wall and seeing if it's mm. stuck. Last week, Whitney wanted to review a kids show about kids with monsters being kids. Yeah, kids going to essentially a haunted high school and all the weird monsters that live therein. It was hyperactive and Richard Elfman was involved. And, and it was okay. It was okay. I, I dug it so hard. But it was no. Like, I, it's, it's one of the few shows I've gone back and watched, like, afterwards. Just for my own edification. But it was no <laughs> K-9000. Meet Eddie. He's a dedicated cop. Excuse me. Can I see your AMA card? And he's a little unorthodox. A human heat-seeking lethal weapon. $280,000. That's how much they stole? That's how much you destroyed. So the department's assigned him the perfect partner. Niner. His super canine instincts, the product of secret experiment K-9000. Imagine if man and dog working together. The potential was incredible. Now the secret is out. And they'll fight with their lives to defend it. K-9000 is a failed pilot for a television series about a cop who gets a cyborg dog partner. Which, from what I understand, was supposed to be connected very, very loosely to the film K-9 with Jim Belushi. Yeah, K-9 was basically Turner and Hooch. Well, again, there were it was one of those weird instances where Hollywood decided to release like two of the identical movies really close to each other. You know, mm-hmm. the ants bugs life syndrome. Yeah. And this was this was cop movie. But the cop's partner is a dog yeah, very, and the dog warms this cop's heart. Blah, 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 blah. And the dog is a better cop than the cop. And and I haven't and the, seen and the dog is a, a big, friendly looking German shepherd. I haven't seen either Turner and Hooch or K-9 since mm-hmm. around the time they came out. I remember them both being fine. Mm hmm. K-9 has two sequels. I think Turner and Hooch has a series. They had a failed pilot. Oh, okay. We need to get to that, We'll too. get to that one as well. Uh, but we should have put those two back to back. We, we kind of whiffed that one. They might have had a full series and they changed the title or something. I don't mm. know. I'll have to look into that one. But uh, yes. It's called Tequila and Bonetti. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, we, love, we love talking dogs and we love cops with robot partners. And the intersection <laughs> was this show. It's K-9000. <laughs> K-9000 uh, aired in 1991. It was actually filmed in 1989. You can see that from the copyright thing on the mm-hmm. on the end credits. Um, sat on the shelf. Sat on the shelf for a while. And it has an interesting pedigree, if you will. Uh, this was created by... Pedigree. Pe- oh, I get it. This was created by Stephen pedigree. D'Souza. Stop that. The, uh, anyone who giggled at that is now bored with it. <laughs> Anybody who giggled at it the first time has, al- has already gotten over it. Um, it was created by Stephen E. D'Souza. You know him because he, his movies have made $2 billion. Mm-hmm. He's written some of the biggest hits in Hollywood, like Die Hard and Street Fighter. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or 48 Hours and Hudson uh, yeah. Hawk. Okay, he's actually responsible for a lot of high-profile bombs. This is true, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have a soft spot for Hudson Hawk. We talked about that on our other podcast, Critically Acclaimed. And yep. we, we kind of talked it up a lot. Uh, it's, it's frantic and cartoonish and kind of wonderful. Um, 
I'm not going to go well out of my way to defend Street Fighter. I'll say that it's better than Double Dragon, which I watched it immediately after. Look, most things are better (laughs) than Double Dragon. I watched Double Dragon, and then I immediately watched Street Fighter thereafter. And Street Fighter seemed, like, so professional and slick and well thought out in comparison that I kind of have a skewed view of it. Fair enough. But, uh, Uh, yeah, Steven Souza, he, he... He wrote a lot of hit movies mm. and a lot of Drek. And to be fair, sometimes it's hard to tell what's going to be a hit and what's going to be Drek. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like okay, so we're doing a Judge Dredd movie. Oh, that might be cool, right? And it's Hang got, on. And it's got Stallone. Big star. Why not? Well, it's supposed to be British, but okay. And uh, let's see how that turned out. Mm. And that one tanked. It that did. That one tanked. Okay, but... Uh, uh, not, not, not as bad as its reputation, he's but also, bad. But he's also got this script uh, for a movie about a guy trapped in a building mm. um, fighting off terrorists. He's, just a, he's a New York cop in L.A. and he fights off terrorists. That could that. be okay. Turns out it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's one of the best screenplays ever written. Uh, he also has a lot of history in television. Uh, he created the uh, show Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Which we'll probably get to someday. That's a fun one. He also created Super Carrier. Okay. And the powers of Matthew Starr. We're gonna get this. We're gonna get to his shows a lot. Is Super Carrier the one with with Gerardo, the the Rico Suave guy, or am I thinking of something else? Maybe oh, like Super Super Boat. I've actually never seen Super Carrier. I know it's a Super yeah. Boat. Otherwise, yeah. it would be kind of mis- mislabeled. Oh gosh, what was the Gerardo series? I'm gonna oh. look that up because it's gonna drive me crazy. Nah, I think you're thinking of something else. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, so he had he, he apparently had this idea along with uh, writer Michael Part, mm-hmm. who wrote a kid in King Arthur's Court. Okay, so good for him. Uh, <laughs> that that was a very minor hit for people who were ten years old in 1996. Mm-hmm. The great Thomas Ian Nicholas mm-hmm. starred in that. I wish he nev- he hadn't gone away. He deserved more. He's yeah, a, well, he's a charming young actor. You know, he plays in the movie trivia showdown. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe you can play. Maybe you can find him somewhere. I can, I can find him and tell him that he was a, a charming actor there when he go. was uh, choking up the theater when I was working as a movie usher back in 1996. So, uh, K nine thousand mm-hmm. stars Chris Mulkey. Who it was, was. It was Super Carrier. Has okay. Gerardo, the, the the Rico Suave guy. I'm okay. happy for you. I had to confirm that. I'm sorry. Anyway, K nine thousand stars Chris Mulkey from Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played uh, and, and everything and everything. He's been in everything, but mm-hmm. I think most people know him as Norma's ex con husband from Twin Peaks, okay. which was a very prominent role for him. And uh, he's been a character actor who's just had small roles in every damn thing ever since. Mm-hmm. He's in Whiplash. He's in Cloverfield. He's in everything. He's in it. Yeah, just we're not even going to list off his filmography, but look it up. He, I think he's. One of those supporting actors who just sneaks into the background. He, he has one of those, like, nondescriptly handsome faces, so you could probably just, like, put a hat on him and you wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, and he puts sunglasses on him and he looks like a badass. Like, he's, yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's, he, he's incredibly malleable as a performer. And he plays a cop who mm. gets a dog partner who's also a cyborg. And you'd think, based on that premise... That the movie would begin with like some sort of little adventure, and then he gets a dog partner, right? Mm. You have to wait almost forty three minutes. It, it's not until halfway through that we get to the robot dog, and I think that might be why this didn't get picked up. You buried the lead right it, next well, to your bone and your favorite <laughs> rag. Like weirdly, it moves. It, like it, this is made for TV. This was made as a pilot, but it was shot like and moves like a feature film. Uh, the pacing is a little bit s- slower. The character work is a little bit more, uh, I'm not going to say nuanced, but they spend more time on it. 
Uh, and they're trying to treat it like it's not Drek, which is a mistake because it is. And I feel like there are elements of this show that are absolute Drek. Like, it opens with a shot, a, a sequence in which our hero, uh, Eddie Monroe, played by Chris Mulkey, is trying to buy candy from a vending machine. Mm-hmm. This does not go well. The vending machine provides no candy. And <laughs> it sounds like a nihilistic aphorism. Mm. Give up. Don't get up this morning. The vending machine provides no candy. He starts attacking the vending machine in the middle of a diner. And uh, he's like, I, I want revenge! He yells, I want revenge on this candy machine. And then he goes off in this long rant with his partner, played by Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> the great Dennis Haysbert mm-hmm. from 24. Yeah. And Far From Heaven, and he's wonderful and everything. Um, he goes off on a rant about how machines don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Every every machine well, this, just conks out whenever he tries th- to use it. Th- this falls in line directly with everything we saw in Cops for the Robot po- Partners Month. And this mm-hmm. was a complaint of mine that whole month that the robots were never given to like a techie engineery type of cop mm-hmm. who's really interested in machines and the way robots might think and was really eager to interact with the the there was the robot partner. It was always given to some old crotchety luddite who knows nothing about machines or technology. And it's always sold as like that's a good thing because he'll yeah. really put it through the ringer. As like yeah. like like it's like the, it's like you give a toy to a toddler just to see if it breaks. So you have to like <laughs> redesign the toy. Like that's what they're what they do here. So they get they get into like immediately they get into a big shootout with a bunch of robbers and there's a car chase where they mm. break the Beverly Hills logo sign and crash the car into a building because the brakes went out because our hero is bad with machines and I'm like at that point he should not be a cop like I don't, you can't trust him with a gun either I hope <laughs> I mean it makes no sense right. That would be an interesting twist, like his gun never fires, or yeah. he's just a, a rotten shot. They never really go into this, mm. it's just bad freaking luck, I guess. They they break this giant store full of fancy stuff, they kill mm. a guy, and then when he... What, what his boss is angry about is that they broke all the stuff. Right. Like, they stopped a robbery, and I think he was getting away with, like, $5,000, $5, but he made did, like... $250,000 worth of damage. Yeah. And that's what he gets put through the ringer for. You drove into this Beverly Hills mall and you, you destroyed 250000 worth of stuff. Oh, and somebody's dead, but never mind him. Well, the, the, it was the perpetrator, but at the same time, they kind of just gloss over that. And so he kills this <laughs> he other kills guy. He kills a guy. <laughs> he kills the guy, and then he just walks over to the other guy, rips a bra off a mannequin, and starts tying him up with that as mm-hmm. though he doesn't have handcuffs. Maybe the handcuffs don't work yeah, for him they, either. They didn't maybe establish he was, that he didn't have handcuffs. Maybe when he killed that guy, those were warning shots. <laughs> like that, his gun misfired because he's bad with machines. Th- oh, maybe so. Um, that is a very Stephen E. D'Souza twist. The, mm. I don't have my cuffs on me, so I'm going to use a bra. That kind of mm. like quick thinking resourcefulness. And then he shows the guy his his badge, but it's mm. not as bad. It's a picture of Morgan Fairchild. and this, She came with the wallet. Yeah, the picture came with the wallet. And mm. I'm like, you should take that out of your wallet. Why do you keep that just just in case you want to look at Morgan look, Fairchild maybe, randomly? Maybe he's a fan of Morgan Fairchild. This comes up a lot. Like this comes up like three separate times over the course of the Here, show. Here's my theory: he's not really a cop, and he's been pulling the wool over everyone's eyes ever since he pretended to join the force. So he's he Morgan killed, Fairchild, like he killed, doing he research killed the for cop. a part. Yeah, he's that's it. Morgan Fairchild has been undercover in very complicated makeup for many years so people, she could nail the role of a cop. People do not appreciate what a transformative actor Morgan Fairchild is. 
That's right. Everyone's like, oh, Christian Bale lost weight. Morgan, Morgan Fairchild was a male cop. Morgan Fairchild <laughs> invented Chris Mulkey. <laughs> that's, that's never been, there's no Chris Mulkey. It's just Morgan Fairchild fooling everyone. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> she, I hear she's the ambassador to Brazil now. Ooh. So, uh, uh, meanwhile, mm-hmm. there is a big protest going on uh, at a scientific lab. Mm-hmm. Which I think was UCLA city. It was, it was not. It was some public building. It's all shot in Los Angeles, yeah. and you can see little things like throughout. And I'm like, oh, I remember it, Pirate Radio. They're like, yeah. For Pirate Radio. Did or, you listen to Pirate Radio? Of course, I listened to Pirate Radio. Okay, well, Pirate Radio was my jam. Pirate Radio 100.3 FM. Well, we gotta enlighten the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, 100.3 FM was the hard rock station back in the late 80s, like 89, 90, around there. Mm-hmm. I think like 89 to 93. Was and they were aggressively lifespan. cool. Like they didn't play mm-hmm. the same stuff other rock stations play. They played like yeah metallica b-sides and yeah a lot of the harder stuff which you know if you didn't like the pop stations that's where you went and uh every once a week they would have as part of their morning drive time show something they called the looney tune and they would compose their own parody songs of hit songs like parody versions of hit songs would you please remove the cat from the kitchen counter i will do that it's eating something god luca knock it off it's eating books don't eat books food If I eat them, I will become more intelligent. Also in the background of one of these shots, I was very excited to see Penny Lane Records. Oh, Penny Lane. I loved Penny Lane Records. There were two Penny Lanes. Uh, There was one in Westwood and there was one on the Promenade. Um, And apparently there was one in Venice in the early 90s. Oh, I never went to that one. Uh, Apparently there was. And there was one in Pasadena. I think the last holdout was one in Pasadena. Okay. And that left a couple of years ago. Penny Lane was this great small chain of record and VHS and DVD stores. Yeah, used record and video stores. Just a hip place to be. And they had, yeah, a lot of like obscure cult VHS stuff. And it's, it's where I started getting Criterion when those when I could start affording those things. Yeah, I was a, that movie. I, I, I really miss Penny. I miss record stores in general. There's only a few left, but uh, I miss Penny Lane. It's good stuff. <laughs> anyway, K9000. So there's a I'm protest. Just reminisce about things that used to be in Los Angeles. There's a protest at this lab. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Catherine Oxenberg. Yeah, Catherine Oxenberg plays. From, uh, from the Lair of the White Worm. She plays Asia Turner, a mysterious scientist with a mysterious like project mm. and Judson Scott from Voyagers. He played Lawrence of Arabia. He's, oh golly. You're right. I didn't yeah. even, I didn't even notice. He's the bad guy who's trying to break in and, uh, he breaks in in the middle of the night and kills a whole bunch of people. And Catherine Oxenberg escapes, but damn it. This bad guy Zeiss, which is such a Steven D'Souza name. <laughs> it's just like, how do we, we got to name him something really evil. Zeiss sounds vaguely evil. Mm. He's he's escaped with some sort of mysterious box of mystery. Like it glows and it looks really cool. Looks like Sylvester Stallone would be in there in Demolition Man. Like it's pretty cool. Has the cosmic cube inside. Yeah. So Catherine Oxenberg is running around trying to solve the crime. Meanwhile, our hero Mm. also tries to solve the crime. Not very like there's not a lot of detect going on. No, and it all boils down to this one thing. Like, at the beginning of the heist, mm. Judson Scott or Zeiss, uh, he, like, impersonates one of the protesters. There's literally no reason for him to need to do that. 
And doesn't he? And it, he shows up at the protest later, not dressed as one of the protesters, if I recall. Yeah, he just shows up. Yeah. He's dressed as one of the protesters. The security guard who's in on the job, like, hands him a key card. He didn't have to be dressed as a protest. He could have done that around the corner. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the only reason he's there is any kind of nondescript clothing. The only reason he's there is so that there could be, like, news footage of the protest and they can spot the guy. Mm. And so they do. And, uh,. Our hero tracks down the guard, Catherine Van Oxenberg. Catherine Van Oxenberg? Catherine Oxenberg. Catherine Oxenberg. She tracks down the guard as well. There's a big shootout, and then he tries to arrest her, and he successfully arrests her, but then she convinces him not to arrest her. And he has one of the many weird lines in this show, because Catherine Oxenberg is British. Well, she's actually uh, Serbian, but yeah. Well, she's got a British accent here. And uh, when she convinces him to help her, he says, you're good, honey. How'd you lose the colonies? Hmm. Which is almost kind of funny. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) they track down the big mystery container. And then he says, what is this? And she says, (laughs) she hisses, (laughs) apparently. She hisses at him. (laughs) Apparently the cats are not down with us talking about this dog show. You know, as soon as they make a robot cat show, we'll we'll cover it. But cats are difficult to train, and you can't put them in action <laughs> cop shows. There's a reason why uh, cops have dogs as partners and not cats, because cats are creepy and don't do what you say, and they'll probably eat you. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't that be great, though? Like, a, a cop, like, her grizzled cop doesn't want anything to do with anything. Here's your new partner. It's just, like, a house cat. Uh, it wouldn't work, because the cat is on the counter again. Would you please get st- the cat? St- eating those books again. He's just going after the <laughs> counter. Are there people who only listen to our podcast for the cat interruptions? Let us know. Cancel too soon <laughs> at gmail.com. Thank you, Luca. I'm Thank hold you for Luca being annoying. For a while if here. you can, he's full of beans today. Um. Anyway, so that she says she, she says it's so the beginning Oxenberg, of a dream. Yeah. And then the dog breaks out of its cocoon. Like an it's alien, creepy looking too. Yeah, it's like it's full of mucus it membranes looks, and. You know what? It, lo- it looks like the the that pod that Eric Stoltz burst out of in the Fly Two. Yeah, yeah, it's like big goopy, gloppy, rubbery thing, and they get a they like wrap a real dog in rubber. You can- as far as I can tell, they wrapped a real dog in rubber and had it thrash around a little bit, and it pops out, and it's a doggy. It looks like happy to have done so. The German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. I half expected Clint Howard to pop out afterwards, like you guys got to try this. <laughs> the cat is on the counter again. Well remembered space. The Rangers cat reference. is on the counter again. Oh God. But yes, there was a Space Rangers episode. This is maybe the most interrupted episode we've ever done. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, 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 <laughs> what the fuck the, was I? You, you're, you were just talking about a dog bursting out of a, a globule. Yeah. And and, uh, uh, and it turns out it was like this weird part machine clone robot pus dog. Yeah. So that, uh, that is hyper intelligent. So they got to they got to escape, and they put mm. our hero in charge of destroying the machine so the bad guys can't get it. Mm. And he's just like, finally, something with machines I can do. Yeah, I can just wreck them. And of course, his job is to destroy the machines. But instead of destroying them, it grabs onto his head mm-hmm. and like. Start and drills into his brain, yeah. like real quick. This is a qu- quick procedure. There's no no anesthesia, 
and it implants a microchip in his brain. Yeah. You would think that they wouldn't need a, a special machine for that. Like, you could just get a doctor or a surgeon or a specialist. Nope. Also, how, like, how, how often are they going to do this? Uh, it's only supposed to happen once. They're yeah. only supposed to have it one time. One time. And it's explained later that it's part of this... Of course, it's a super soldier project because that's a great idea all the time in any movie ever because it always works. It worked once. Captain America. That's it. And they even but tried it, they even tried it again in Captain America and got like an evil Nazi bad guy. But it's like it's like uh, uh, it's like a gambling addiction. A lot of times, mm. gambling addiction begins because you won gambling the first time. Oh, so it, since it worked with Captain America, we're just going to keep on trying. It worked once. So, why not? Why wouldn't it look, work again? Look, werewolf soldiers. It's got to work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be about putting soldiers out on the battlefield with killer dogs that they can psychically control. That's that's not what they want to do. Actually, she it's, wants it's, to, she wants to use them. She wants to use these dogs to herd animals and like heal hmm. the land. But the bad guys want to use them for evil purposes. That's the plan. Oh, OK. The bad guys are the so, bad guys. So she created mind control dogs for peaceful purposes. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was my death ray. I invented it for peaceful purposes only. But then you came along. So so Chris Mulkey gets like shot in the ear with a microchip mm-hmm. and then a bunch of bad guys burst in with guns like just Raymond Chandler got bored, I guess. <laughs> and the that's that is a reference, by the way. It's a, re- it's a refer- reference to Raymond Chandler's famous uh, writer's block cure. Yeah. All right. Anyway, if in case anyone got that. Mm-hmm. So the dog throws our hero out of a window and there's this hilarious shot of Chris Mulkey and an obviously fake dog just like flying through the <laughs> air sideways out of the window and it looks absolutely absurd bear in mind it's over halfway done now <laughs> this is like the we're, first we're like plot 40, point that 40 we care about minutes into this thing and so he he takes the dog home, and of course, on his police salary, he can live right on the beach in a nice little mm-hmm. Venice apartment. And the dog starts talking to him, mm-hmm. and he, it doesn't register at first, but then, of course, he has a little freak out. And the dog has a really kind of laid-back voice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. It doesn't have, like, a creepy voice. Yeah. or Who played the voice uh, of the dog? It was uh, Jerry Hauser plays the voice of Niner, the dog. Mm. Jerry Hauser was in a lot of stuff. He was in Slapshot. Uh, he was in Summer of 42. He was in Seems Like Old Times. Um, he was so in, he did a lot of voice work as well. He was in Danger Rangers and is told yeah. by Ginger. And he's, So he's been around. He's been around. He's mostly a, a voice actor in the later part of his career. Um, and the dog explains everything that's going on. We have a psychic cybernetic connection now. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get used to that. And and the dog is uh, very very intel it is human intelligent mm-hmm. as intelligent as a human being, but also has no experience with the world, so it knows how to observe and analyze and come to conclusions, but it doesn't know anything like he doesn't know like certain objects. There's a moment where Chris Mulkey you know tries to treat him like a dog mm-hmm. and gives him a ball. And, and the, throw, throws a tennis ball, saying, "Go get it." Well, what, if you wanted it, why did you get rid of it? And Chris mm-hmm. Mulkey's like, "Well, you got me there," but it turns out the dog. In order to make room for all the new science stuff, they took out all the dog stuff. <laughs> so all the stuff where he's actually a dog mm. is not there, or it takes him by surprise. There's a scene later in the in the pilot with the the hydrant. Yeah, he sees a hydrant and he doesn't know what it is, but, but he knows it's really great. It's really drawn. What is that? That is a me- what is this thing? 
I, I don't. I hold on. I gotta look at this some more. Like he's really in, intrigued by the hydrant, but doesn't know what he's supposed to do with it. Which is pretty funny. Yeah. And there's like a moment where like he's trying to suss out what Chris Mulkey wants him to do with the tennis ball. Mm-hmm. So he looks up tennis. And he's like. You think a dog can hold a tennis racket? <laughs> well, and my favorite detail is he, he looks at it it's like, uh, yes, that is um, a bouncing spheroid. And it says, uh, clearly it's made by U-U-A-D, which is the word pen upside down. Like pen brand tennis balls. I thought that was cute. And that's that, pretty that, cute. That, that was like, clearly somebody thought of that. So they got to find Catherine Oxenberg. She's mm-hmm. lost again. Meanwhile, Dennis Haysbert has been shot. Oh, right. <laughs> Just sort of gloss over that because it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently there's someone who's like in on the conspiracy in the police department. So Dennis Haysbert has been shot. Our hero is trying to solve the crime and find Catherine Oxenberg. Mm-hmm. And at one point he needs to call the office, but he, he doesn't have a cell phone. Well, because but, it's 1989 slash 91. So, like, there there is a cell phone in it, but, like, only, like, a really rich or evil person has it. Right. Fortunately, Niner, the dog, is a cell phone. So, like, and what's weird is that when he introduces it, like, oh, we got to find a phone, I've, he starts hearing a dial tone. He's like, what's that? And Niner says, I'm trying to get an outside line. What's the inside line? What are you calling your liver? What you- <laughs> well, you know, you, you don't you have to dial nine to get out of the dog. <laughs> so he's sitting there on the street, just talking into a dog's head. I really, really wished that they had done something strange. Like he tilts the, like he grabs the dog's no- nose and like tilts his head back open, and there's like a little receiver inside, or just reaches into his back and pull. I, I love that roboty crap. Yeah, they don't do any of that. Not so much. Well, they do a little bit in, in a minute, but we'll talk about mm-hmm. that. Meanwhile, uh, Judson Scott has kidnapped Catherine Oxenberg and, and a wealthy he... lady who was responsible for all of those like mm-hmm. uh, protests uh, for uh, reasons. Like the the wealthy lady in charge of the protests is played by a very familiar actress, um, um, Anne Haney. Anne Haney. Uh, she was in an episode of Star Trek. She was in Liar Liar. Uh, she, she was in everything. She was in Mrs. Doubtfire. She was in everything, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you'd recognize her. She's the 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 get me a Jessica Tandy type actress, but funnier. But much funnier. Much yeah. funnier. Much more energetic. And uh, yeah, she was in charge of the protests, and she had a lot of speeches about how she's trying to save animals. But it turns out she was the villain. No, she wasn't or, the villain. Or she, she was, was being manipulated by the villain. Or honestly, she was in, it's, in cahoots. It's a, a little unclear. It's really vague. Like she made a deal with the bad guy to get something she wanted when but, really it was just hurting her cause. No, because she didn't know who he was. I think he just shows up at her house and vaguely kidnaps them because he wants in on their land deal, which he hadn't mentioned before. He wants Otisburg. Yeah, it's really confusing and not really important. They track them down mm-hmm. to like a party. Mm-hmm. And the dog steals a tuxedo for the cop to wear. And then they go into the party and they're okay. like, well, we're just going to walk out with the people you kidnapped because it's been public. Here, here's the big problem. And then they almost do. <laughs> and then the guy who was the mole in the police department reveals himself. And it was that guy. And uh, then they're in an abandoned warehouse somewhere. And they're going to mm. remove the microchip from Chris Mulkey's head. But in order to do it, they have built a very special machine that only does this one thing and also has an evil robot face and voice. Why did they make it with an evil robot face and voice? Hey, look, if you only get to do it once, you go all the way. 
You put an evil robot face on that thing, and you name it Godzilla Twelve Thousand. There's a there's a huge fight, and like Chris Mulkey uses the evil robot drill to drill into the spine of one of the bad guys, which is actually pretty messed up for something this goofy. Uh, yeah, and then that's that's kind of where we. Well, no, then there's a, then there's a big it. chase up at the top of a thingy. There's a big tall thingy, God, this and thing they go like, up to the thingy. Um, and they fight on the thingy, yeah. and then the dog. You know, they I, both get shot. Like both are here on the dog get shot, but they're both fine. Mm-hmm. And then, at, like at the end, they're like at the beach, and there's this terrible visual effect where the dog drinks through a straw, but you can tell the liquid in the cup is actually just going down into like a cooler at the bottom. Yeah. But like you can tell it was a complicated visual effect that they didn't need to do at all. And then it, Catherine Oxenberg says, "Hey, yeah, you're, we, we're, we're just gonna let you have the dog." Well, and that's he's like, that he's psychically linked, and clearly the thing that could help him, that could cure him, since it has an evil robot face, mm. we instantly don't trust it. That's so, a good point. It's got shifty eyes, that robot. And then they, so you can't actually keep it and cure him and let him go back to his life. Now he has to be psychically linked to a dog. So now he has a spirit animal now. He has a, a, a daemon in Golden Compass terminology. Nicely done. And uh, uh, now they're going to be partners in a television series that you will never see. Mm. So here's, here's the thing. <laughs> it's one of many things. And th- this has come up in a lot of these robot shows. Almost Human did it right. None of the others did, in that you have a robot that is capable of all kinds of, like, w- complicated calculations, it has superpowers, it's super smart, it has amazing observational skills, and it's trying to learn about humanity, so it's really curious about the world. Mm-hmm. It's a really engaging character, and you have it do stuff like steal tuxedos. A regular dog could steal a tuxedo if you train it. Well, here's the... Here's the it, it, do, it doesn't need to be a robot dog if you're just going to do regular banal stuff with it and have it drink out of a straw. Yeah, with the exception of the dog being a cell phone, it really didn't have to be all that special. Also, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't work here. Mm. Like, first off, it's not a dog who needs to learn about humanity. It's a dog who needs to learn about being a dog. Why? Why? I don't know. To learn about being a dog. I don't know. I don't know what's. So it's, it's as intelligent as a human. Teach it to well, coexist on. with humans. We're not trying to take away its dog heritage. It's just like <laughs> it can do dog stuff, but like it's this weird thing that like Chris Mulkey can't really teach it. But other than like this is a ball, do that. Well, why does like, why, look? Okay, he doesn't need the shackles of fetch. Okay. <laughs> This dog is... is I'm trying to make fetch happen, Chris Mulkey. <laughs> it, it, that it's was clearly, a good joke. That, all right, fine. High five. Begrudging high five. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's already as intelligent as a human. It need, it can learn about dogs, but that would be forcing like you or I to behave like a dog. It's like on... on or, or an ape. Yeah, yeah. Like let's say we're whisked off to an alien planet where we're as... In, Intelligent. Typically, humans are as intelligent as dogs, like in Planet of the Apes. They're just okay. savages. They don't speak. And it's it's now up to somebody to teach us how to behave like that? No, you have to, like, s- sniff your feet and eat raw meat, because that's the way humans behave here. Oh, fair it's enough. It's like, no, I'd rather live with you, ape people. It's a bit condescending. I yeah. think we can all agree on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So condescending that's, to the So that's a problem, dog. too. You know, another problem is... Um, Chris Mulkey's whole thing about how he's bad with machines, mm. wouldn't it make more sense if he was bad with animals? Wouldn't that be more relevant to the, to well, the, the story we're about to tell? The, well, the dog, I guess the dog is a machine first. 
It's not though. Well, it's, it's kind of a, says he's it's not. A, it's, a, it's kind of a cyborg dog. Like it's, it's a cyborg. It's it's yeah. Like that's why we didn't put it in cops with robot partners month because mo- it doesn't quite fit. Mostly machine, but also made of dog meat, and uh, it's like dog meat wrapped around a machine skeleton. Yeah, but also this runs into the same problem as that movie Snow Dogs. <laughs> if you haven't seen. <laughs> The, the thoughtfulness with which you said that phrase. <laughs> if, you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Snow Dogs, mm. it's a movie where Cuba Gooding Jr. He joins moves, the Iditarod, right? He, he moves to Alaska and he inherits a bunch of dogs mm. and he goes on a dog sledding race. It takes forever to get to the dogs. We're here for the dogs. The dogs are the marketing campaign. Just to show, really show us the dogs. Like that's what we're here for. Drama about the loneliness of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, and well, he's just sitting around his apartment drinking heavily. And it's it's sort I of, been sort of like you were that. never really here. Is just sort of like depressed Dude, and looking co- out at the the bleak blackness of the world. Dude, it co-stars James Coburn. You think it's going to be a sequel to Affliction for a while? No, it's <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a goofy comedy, but like they just don't get to the dogs, and you're just yelling at the screen. Show us the dogs. Half of this pilot has no cyborg dog. It's in the title. We're here for the dog. You can't do that. Can you, you imagine you did, Die Hard if we didn't get to the building until halfway through the movie? It's like, not yeah, as it's, interesting. It's 45 minutes of that limo ride and him getting from the airport and just setting up more and more backstory. And then all of that's irrelevant by it's the time you get there. It's an intriguing experiment, but I don't think it'd be a better movie. Like, it's... <laughs> No. I don't, look, you do have to uh, you, you have to establish that this yeah you know, this character now this character is not terribly complicated the cop the human cop mm-hmm. um, Eddie I, I almost called him Anton Eddie uh, Eddie needs to be established but he is such a non complicated character that he's established in that first opening scene mm-hmm. that's equal like which is like maybe what like seven minutes yeah if where that. he attacks the machine he hates the the vending machine he uh, he loses his mind when he touches a vending machine he hates machines mm-hmm. and then he's also an unconventional cop in that he you know runs through storefronts okay we've seen that kind of character a thousand times before but at least we've established what he is we know what he is now mm-hmm. okay now you have to establish the mystery there's way too much of it. Yeah, we're getting really involved in like the ins and outs of the heists the criminal mm. is going to pull. And then we got to go and see you, you, Eddie. You cut, you cut to the interior uh, immediately after he's getting he's getting chewed out by his boss. You, mm-hmm. you made, did all this damage. You cut immediately to the interior of the lab where Catherine Oxenberg saying, our dog is successful. And just at that moment, the bad guy breaks in and says, I'm stealing your dog. The dog gets out. And they and the dog and the cop meet like two scenes later. Yeah, I, you're, I would, you're you're 15 minutes in and you're you're there. I would add a little bit more texture to that, but yeah, yeah that's that's about what you need mm. because here he gets all that goes bad. The cop mm. gets demoted. We see him living leaving parking tickets in Venice. We see him go back to his apartment. Listen to the worst song ever written. So um. Walking on Sunshine? Yeah, I was Walking on Sunshine, mm. and uh, no, it's this, like, <laughs> really, it sounds like the kind of country song someone who doesn't know the lyrics would make up, you know? Like, and then I listened <laughs> my, to the moon, my and wife, you were watching it, too. Wife and, uh, ran away with my truck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am a guy. <laughs> and, um, and then... Ad- adult he, Contemporary was in a really sad spot. Well, Always. I mean, it's never really been in a good spot, has it? Adult Contemporary sucks. 
I'm sure there's an exception here or there. Don't tweet we, us. Anyway, we, we listen to pirate radio. All right. We have no, no affection for adult contemporary. We're cool guys. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Cause we're so cool. Watching this Watching long since K- canceled cyborg dog show. Cause, uh, cause I watched K 9000. That makes me yeah. cool. But yeah. And then we just, there's all of this tacked on rigmarole about the heist. And then we see like, there are scenes where the bad guy like pays off some guy we never met, nor will we ever see again because he's Mm. then immediately shot. And then he tells another guy to go after a guy. And he's like, what should I do? I don't know. Make him a salad. What do you think? Like even the movie is bored with the scene. This is why I call it like it moves more like a movie because a movie would actually sort of take its time to set stuff up. But then a movie would probably have the budget and the time and the wherewithal to have all of this add up to a much bigger climax. Mm-hmm. Where we get to see the full capabilities of the dog, or there's a larger conspiracy at work, and the president is in on it. Whatever you got, I guarantee you. I'm sorry, even if this was a movie, I guarantee you, any studio would have said they need to have the dog and dude team up by page thirty. Yeah, yeah. At the latest, page thirty, they gotta be in the same room, mm. talking to each other by page thirty, preferably sooner. Mm. You know, All like right, you so just can't do that. I didn't see it, but you did. How does this compare to AXL? Oh god! The, the movie that is currently playing in theaters about the robot. Dog. I mean, there are definite similarities, like right. when it comes to like pairing the dog with the human, mm-hmm. and is the government behind it, and are they evil? And um, like what what, what would you what would you choose? You can I would, throw K nine thousand is better than AXL. Okay, <laughs> you throw AXL in the K nine thousand. It's the first half is boring, but the second half is zippy. It's it's kind of amusing. I mean, yeah. Stephen E. D'Souza, you know, even though he's not firing on all cylinders here is still a witty screenwriter and he has a few uh, turns of dialogue that I appreciate. He's no Shane Black, but he's close. Yeah, there's a, a, a it's directed by Kim Manners who directed a lot of really great X-Files episodes mm. and a ton of other TV as well. Ton of TV, Kim Manners. Yeah, um, so yeah, like it's, X-Files it's, and Supernatural were like the only shows that I think he came back to. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he did like two, three episodes of everything, including stuff like Acapulco Heat. So... K-9000, when it's dumb, it's kind of gloriously dumb, and I depreciated that, and I and I actually wanted more of that. When it takes itself seriously, like like a real movie, mm-hmm. uh, it's death. It's really boring and lame, but when it is weird and goofy and wild, mm-hmm. it's great, which is why I think if this had gone to series... I think it would have been a better series than this pilot suggests because it would have had to move faster. Well, it, this is inspired by or suggested by K9, the movie. Uh-huh. And loosely K- suggested. Very by. loosely suggested. But the point is, K9 is a comedy. It stars James Belushi. James Belushi is a comedian. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he can be a good actor otherwise, but he's known for being a comedian. Sure. Um, K9000 is a science fiction comedy, right? Yeah. So why isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we spend so much time just doing regular cop stuff and not cracking jokes and being kind of incredulous about this weird premise about a robot dog? I feel like they don't know what tone they're going for. Like, mm. is, is this like in a heightened last action hero universe or is it plausible and there's only a couple of weird elements? There's a couple of bits where there are kind of wacky sound effects. I don't know if you notice, like when like the vending machine doesn't work, it goes like a whoop. Or some weird thing. Mm. Like, I it feels like maybe in post they tried to jazz it up a bit and make it dumber. Mm-hmm. Like, just make it sillier, play up the humor. Anyway, it feels like they would have had to have solidified their tone mm. and sped the hell up. 
Yeah. I also guarantee you, because this is not because I know anything, but just because it's that kind of show, I guarantee you Catherine Oxenberg would have been recast after the pilot. Not because she's bad, but because this just seems like the kind of show where they would have changed an actor. Like, just completely (laughs) changed the actor (laughs) for no reason. They would have changed Dennis Haysbert. Yeah, they would would have recast him as somebody else. We've been replaced with Ernie Hudson. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like just like something would have shifted. There would have been a dramatic change, partially because this didn't air until like two years after it was shot, so they were probably Mm -hmm. busy with other stuff. Right. Um, If this show had lasted 100 episodes, I'd buy it. I can actually see this. I can see this being a show. It'd be kind of a dumb show mm. on the vein of like Thunder in Paradise, but like <laughs> it would, I can, there's no, it's a cop and a dog and the dog talks and it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You can do anything with that. Every once in a while the dog whips out another cyborg feature you didn't know it had. Yeah. You know, like, it, oh, like it, in like crazier, like Sweeps Weeks episode, we find out the dog has jet engines. I, I was going to I was going to say a grappling hook in its mouth. Ooh. Like and shoot a hook out of its throat and just like hoist itself up by its own mouth. Mm. There's got to be a scene the, where the dog has to like mm. impersonate a human, and like the, well, on the phone. And oh, like, there you go. Like yeah, a, but it can't speak out loud. It can only communicate. To, oh, I guess it could do it electronically. Yeah, why not? Like create a voice. Okay, why not? Yeah, yeah like through because it it's already got a receiver. Why not? Yeah. Like, I think they would need to play up the machine aspect a little bit. Like, mm. it would have to have, like, maybe a Borg alcove at home where it has to recharge at night. Mm. Kind of like in, in Future Cop, where the cop doesn't have a, a home until later in the series mm-hmm. and has just live in the basement. I want to see uh, an episode where the dog gets magnetized. And, and he, like, like, metal stuff sticks to it. And he, like, kind of shorts out, like, that one episode mm. of Future Cop where he got, like, a bomb in him and it mm. messed with his programming. And you know that there would be the mind wipe episode where somebody hacks the dog's brain and it turns into an evil dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would be then they'd start w- cracking out the really stupid stuff like, oh, and it turns out this computer can pass through walls somehow. Ooh. Like they'd, they'd come up with some completely implausible superpower. I want to see an episode where the dog meets another dog from its same litter. Like a, a, an actual dog dog? An actual like, dog dog, but he's, re- he's related and he's mm. trying to relate to him, but he can't because that mm. dog is a dog. Uh, and he's like a human dog. Oh, you know what? There'd be the dog would get struck by lightning and they'd body switch. Ooh, that would be one episode too. That's a great. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes, that, that's, they that's just an leave obvious that. story. <laughs> no, they shouldn't even switch back. I think that's even better. That's like season. <laughs> that's season three in, in its entirety. Okay, it's great. It's brilliant. So I the, love the, it. The human is now in the body of the robot dog, and the robot dog can interact as a human with other humans now. It's perfect. But it turns out, as a robot, it didn't have a sense of taste, so it gets, like, addicted to candy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I this guess. Is, this like, is why I'm not a TV writer. Yeah. There needs to be other, like, cyborg animals. Like, other, like, rogue. Mm. Like, some of, the some of like, their research <gasps> got out in the pilot. The villain. There's a villain, and he has robot squirrels, and they drive the dog crazy. Oh, and they all live at UCLA because there are more squirrels on the UCLA campus than anywhere else in the country, I guarantee you. <laughs> and they're way too smart and they'll just like walk up to you and take so, your sandwich and then you re- walk away you realize we're like writing a Saturday morning animated version of this show uh, that's probably where it should have gone probably where it should have gone <laughs> probably where it should have been it's a Saturday morning premise and when I look at TV shows from this era I'm never sure how satirical they're supposed to be because yeah. I feel like a lot of them are sending up convention rather than just selling straight cop drama it's like here's a straight cop drama but there's some like one wacky element that's that was tequila and bonetti yeah um so i'm not sure if we're supposed to really 
jibe with the fact that there's a robot dog in here and we can just really kind of get on board with how exciting this sci-fi premise is? And if so, they need more hard science mm-hmm. as to how the dog operates. I feel like a lot of shows like this, mm. um, someone had a clear idea of what tone they were going for and someone had another idea. Mm. This feels and like... They, and they went with both. Yeah, this feels like either they started off wanting to take this kind of seriously. In fact, um... Um, actually, wait, here is a here is a clip. I'm going to play you a clip now uh, from a trailer for this show that uh, uh, in which Steven Souza actually takes it really seriously and tries to really sell you on the, the really badass ramifications hmm. of this show. This dog has a computer implant in its brain that makes it probably the smartest thing walking around on four or two legs. Nice has been here. Are you sure? Absolutely. It's about their relationship. Uh, the crimes they solve. When Superman came out, they said, you will believe a man will fly. Well, you'll believe a dog will talk when you see this show, and you will really believe it. Come on. K-9000. So it sounds like Steven Souza actually, like, is, like, really invested in this, but it sounds like someone else probably thought it should be goofy. I mean, it is, it is again. It's based on a comedy film. Uh, it has comedic elements, but yeah, you can tell Stephen E. D'Souza was trying to make something, yeah, kind of, kind of more action oriented, and he was clearly trying to turn K nine thousand into like an, an icon of some kind, like mm. a really notable character, the super intelligent dog. He was going to be mm. the next six million dollar man, just the a dog. Rin tin, actual tin. Rin steel, steel. Ooh, <laughs> you win. <laughs> No, I just lost so hard. <laughs> I lost so much. Um, yeah, so, and I'm not sure how I would have reacted to a show where they have this, like, super badass cyber dog, because it's still kind of a silly idea at the end of the day. Yeah. However badass you make that dog, I'm not sure how cool I'm going to th- Like, the, even the one in a- AXL, they try to make it look like a cool robot dog with glowing blue eyes and steel face. I feel like I've seen, like, wasn't there a cool robot dog in... Cops, COPS, with like a yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool. had like a siren on the back. I think it, I think it works in in animation because the dogs can be fast. They, they can once they get heavy, yeah. you start wanting to treat them with real physics, and they just don't feel like dogs anymore. Yeah, like that. That was the problem with AXL. Hmm. Here, it's a real dog, so it doesn't feel you know mechanical at all. But so it, like you missed that yeah. other level. It, it went too far in the other direction. Mm. Like they, you're right. They should have had something kind of dumb about it. Like it had like my favorite Martian antenna that pop up when it's trying to get radio signals. Or <laughs> yeah, something. there you, you go. Know? Like just some occasional mm. reminder, like its eyes glow, mm. or like it, it doesn't need to eat, but it can like produce food out of it. Like it has a, a fridge in its body or something. That would be kind of fun for it for storing samples just in case they need like some medical samples transported. They yeah. put them in the dog. And the cop uses it for beer. Yeah. See, we're coming up with all these great ideas. Yeah. Hire us, Hollywood. We'll reboot (laughs) K-9000 for you. (laughs) We'll write the first episode of this show that was canceled in 1991. But was it canceled too soon? No. I, I don't need to see more. There's there's not enough potential. It's the tone is too all over the place. They did they took too much time establishing the cop. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that they're too interested in the cop, and it's all going to be about the cop. When I want it, I'm going to be impatient. I'm going to want it to be more about the dog robot. I want to want more details about the dog robot. I want to see the dog robot do goofy stuff, and it's not going to do any of that. And I'm just going to be disappointed. Well, I'm going to throw it out there mm. that this show was definitely canceled too soon. 
you're not wrong about anything you just said. Mm. I just don't think anything is so wrong with it that it couldn't have been fixed. It's not okay. that it's not that it's broken. It's not that everything about it is terrible. It's just they hadn't found the tone yet. And that can take a couple episodes sometimes. Okay. And I see here it's dumb. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone goes to a cyborg dog cop show expecting it to be great, especially not in the early <laughs> well, 90s. Look, like, okay. nowadays, maybe you could pull it off. I, but I at the time, to... you want something kind of dopey. And as a dopey, fun, you know, just got off work, going to have a beer and watch mm. the stupid cop show. Like, this is this is a hoot. And I think if they had just sped it up a bit, stopped padding it out so much, and circle in on a tone, mm. I think this show has... At least a season or two in it. I think it could be really fun. I don't don't know. This this is the kind of film, kind of film, kind of TV series. You come home, you crack open a beer, you watch it, but you never tell anybody that you watched it. It still counts on the Nielsen ratings, man. (laughs) Walker, Texas Ranger was real high on those Nielsen ratings. No one ever talked about it. 400 seasons, that show. Yeah. Um, Still going. uh, No, no, I I just, I can't, I can't see, I can't see a good version of what they presented me. I'm not asking for a good version. I'm asking for an look, entertaining I, version. I, I, I don't you can't mind. Look, being I don't entertained mind. By I this? don't mind dumb. I don't even mind goofy. But I do want like a modicum of wit or direction. And I feel like this is just a little bit too aimless. It only really came to life when the dog became more of a dog, or more of like a, a robot dog when yeah. it was finally got involved and. It was it was too late. It had already lost me. But that's the pilot. Yeah. The second episode, the dog will be there the whole time. Yeah. So you you want what I, they can I, give you I with would, more episodes. I would want. I would anyway. I I think they squandered their chance. If I were a studio executive, I said no. You you you're too too. You don't know what you're doing with this. It's not a good pilot. I will grant you that. But I do do still think the potential is there. Okay. So fair enough. Um, and that is that for this episode of Cancel Too Soon. Uh, kind of a short episode because it's kind of a short show. Uh, <laughs> next week. Mm-hmm. We're going to kick off our suddenly last season. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a whole month full of nothing but shows that were canceled in the last most recent television season. And we're going to get started with a show that you and I think you and I saw the poster for the first time at the same time. Uh-huh. And we both went, oh, no, we're, we're doing that one. Oh, yeah. that's... <laughs> Before date. Sometimes you can tell. You look, at a, you like, look at a billboard. It's like, yeah, we're, we're going to do that on in camp. a year. Gonna we're going to review this. So we're going to be reviewing Will, the television <laughs> series about William Shakespeare. The sexy young William Shakespeare. Shakespeare in Love, the series, mm. um, which and, I have not seen anything from, and I cannot wait. Um, and, and you and I are both Shakespeare nerds, so this is yeah, going to be interesting. Yeah, no, like you in particular, like you, you're really familiar with all of his stuff. I just love what I love, but mm. like, yeah, you've, you, you know it all. So, I've, I've, I've even read some of the apocryphal plays. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, de- I fear those Shakespeare deep cuts like Edward the Third. Oh, uh, that doesn't and, count. And the two noble kinsmen, you know, the things that he or, that he co-wrote or may have written. So Whitney's going to bring uh, some really good insight into this particular yeah, episode. Of, what I can. And uh, uh, so that's really exciting. We're going to be doing that mm. next week. But throughout the whole month, we have a whole bunch of stuff coming. We're going to have a poll. Uh, up for members of our Patreon to decide which new series they want us to review in the month of September. And we'll do it. (laughs) And then in October, we have horror coming up. So uh, get excited. 
because it's going to be spooky up in here. A lot of spooky TV shows. A lot of spooky wooky. Uh, can I read a couple letters? We have time. Let's All do right. it. Uh, here's a letter from uh, Name Withheld. And they wanted to correct something we said about Crazy Head. Oh, no. Um, hey, guys, regarding vampires versus revenants. Mm. Uh, because there was a revenant in the show, but not technically a vampire. Uh, we were a little confused as to whether or not there was a difference. Uh, yeah, set us straight. Said, Let's see what happens. Uh, uh, Name Withheld says revenants are a form of undead, like a zombie. However, they retain their intelligence and memories of their past life. They do, however, need to consume blood in order to stave off decay. So they're like vampires that if they don't drink blood, they'll rot. They're they're and they zombies. Can, they're vampire zombies. Vampire they have zombies. Vampire they're, elements they're and zombie elements. Halfway between vampire and zombie. They're zombies. So they use the term revenant. Zombies was right who, there. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder who who first came up with that term. Sometimes I wonder if like I don't know. Like when I hear about monsters, I'm like, mm. is this like some ancient folktale, or did this come from Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Like, I don't think a beholder is an actual thing. Uh huh. Just saying. Hmm. Anyway. Um, this one comes from Rob G. Hello, Rob. I uh, just wanted to let you know I took the suggestion from a current episode and went back and listened to the Incredible Crash Dummies. Oh. <laughs> uh, that you, you said that that is our least listened to episode. So now of I think, all time. I think people are going back just so they can bolster its numbers. <laughs> well, that's uh, very sweet of you. Uh, however, I had to download it directly from your site as it didn't show up in the feed via iTunes. Uh-huh. I think that gets cut off after a while, though. Does it? it? I maybe just something weird about the publishing history. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe that's why the numbers are so low on this one. It seems the feed starts with episode 15 for some reason. Oh. oh. Uh, let us weird. know if you're having tech problems. Yeah, you can't listen to our old episodes. I'll look yeah, into that's, that. That's something. Uh, we still have the feed, the uh, the Libsyn yeah. feed, and all of the episodes are there. Yeah, you can get you can go to uh, canceltoosoon.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. And uh, you can get all of our episodes there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, really enjoy the show. I hope some days you guys will get to Quark. From 1978. Oh, we've talked about Quark. Oh, Quark is on the list. Uh, It's one of those quintessential cult shows, but frankly, I have some really mixed feelings about the episodes I've seen. Seems like there was a lot of potential there, but it never quite gets to get to what it is trying to do. Personally, I love when you guys hit the older and more obscure shows. You broke my heart over Haven. It's Ernest, which I loved back in the day. But man, do I want to see both Poor Devil and the Persuaders. Thanks again, and keep up the great show, Rob. Um. Yeah, uh, sorry about Hey Vernon's Ernest. We can't I, like I, everything. I, I, like you, I probably would have liked it if I had discovered it when I was 10 and not and had not seen it since. Yeah, but again, that's part of the issue here. We're mm. doing shows for a variety of different demographics. Yeah, we're trying to cast a really wide net, and we're not going to be a fan of everything. So <laughs> it's just going to boil down to taste. Yeah, as, as for Quark, that's one of the ones we've talked about since the inception of Cancel Too mm-hmm. Soon. We, we try to, like, again, there are a bunch of really famous ones, but there are, on, there are only so many. So we try to space them out a bit. Yeah. We, if we only did the famous ones, the show would be over by now. <laughs> like, we'd so, only uh, have the weird stuff left. Uh, Quark, by the way, was a science fiction show where Richard Benjamin played the captain of a garbage scow in space in the future. And everybody was, and he had, like, robot companions and other de- depraved characters aboard this garbage scow. And mm. um, Luca was a big fan of Quark. Luca's making a lot of noise. He's a big Richard Benjamin fan. Mm. And from what I understand, uh, I haven't seen it. It's uh, from what I understand, it's quite uh, offensive. So oh, I'm dear. looking for, like, in, in a sexist sort of way. So oh, look, looking cause, just because it's dated and has a lot of sexist humor. You know, you look back at like the honeymooners. That's nothing but sexist humor. True that. 
Um, okay, so uh, do we do we have one more? Uh, sure, here's one more. Uh, this one comes from David. Hello, David. Uh, hi, Bibbs and Whitney. During uh, the Randomizer pilot episode, mm-hmm. which did not go to series, sorry, uh, I was both horrified and delighted to hear that you somehow neither of you had ever seen Homicide Life on the Street. Mm. Horrified because it is one of the best shows ever produced for television, hugely influ- influential for its genre, perhaps should be required viewing for any serious critic of the medium, but also delighted because it presents an interesting opportunity for a special one-off format-bending episode of the podcast. Uh, almost canceled too soon wherein you watch and review the first season of a show that just barely got picked up for a second because make no mistake I can't imagine any long running series that was closer to being canceled throughout its life than Homicide was mm. Homicide ended up lasting what like nine seasons it was it a long running show but it was yeah it was like hanging on by its fingernails mm-hmm. for, for a long time there if, if anyone is feeling like super intense like there's not like something coming towards you there's just a tea kettle there's a tea on. kettle in the background so here. like yeah it's not like yeah. oh it's it's the monster is at the door no it's fine Let's see. Um, uh, obviously, it eventually ended up getting enough of an audience to justify its continued existence, but it was always much more of a critical darling than a ratings hit. Mm. It is also a great candidate for the podcast treatment because your f- the first season was only nine episodes long, Ooh. and the second was only four episodes long. Wow! So even including that in your watch would be less time-consuming than many of your regular podcast That's episodes, true. and would let you see a couple of the best episodes in the series, including one, yeah, including one with Robin Williams' guest, yeah. appear- guest appearance that David Simon Simon credits as the reason the show got the full third season order. Uh, you could also make predictions for what a potential 100th episode would look like, and then see what the actual 100th episode looks like. <laughs> In this case, it was the second of the two-part sixth season finale, directed by Catherine Bigelow. That's fine. All right. Uh, I know you're generally pretty adamant about sticking to your standard format rules, but as I said, this would be a special one-off episode, maybe an anniversary or Patreon thing. I don't know. Make it whatever you want. It's your podcast. And honestly, you really need to rectify never having seen this show, David. Um, it's it's a curious experiment we could do, but you know the the, uh, the randomizer was sort of our attempt at doing that. Yeah, um, and again, the randomizer is something we might pull out at some point in the future. Mm. But it's a, it's a lot of people were really f- fond of that episode, but uh, we ended mm. up going with the best picture nominees podcast instead. Yeah, uh, yeah. If if well, we get enough people showing enough enthusiasm for it, and we get enough Patreon subscribers, we'd, we could definitely devote ourselves to Why an not? additional podcast. That could be fun. It just mm. it's just a matter of we would need. Mm. To we, be making we more need, money, so we, we need have, the time. Well, we need to make more money, so we have the time to take time off of our regular work we, to do it. We, we barely have enough time as it is, and yeah. by barely, I mean we kind of don't, but we make it work anyway. <laughs> Sometimes um, we record in the middle of the night a lot. But we are really, really excited for the future of the show. We're really excited for suddenly ne- uh, last season. Mm. So uh, stick around. We're going to be reviewing Will and a bunch of other weird looking shows that did not make the cut. <laughs> we got some strange looking shows strange that we, know, we that we know very little about. Like it's just yeah. that's. That's a weird premise. Let's go with that. That, that was the thing? Uh-huh. Who knew? Um, so everyone stick around for that. You can email us. Mm-hmm. Letters at... No. Letters... Cancel too, no, soon cancel at too G- soon at gmail.com. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you can follow us at CancelCast. You mm. can uh, see our work and links to our work from throughout the web at criticallyacclaimed.net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that is a wrap, folks. We'll see you next season. Thank <laughs> you.